Hello out there and welcome to this very special episode of the Sax Podcast. And hello, Bavo. How are you doing today? Hey, Thorsten. I'm good. I'm good. Um, so what happened is a few weeks ago, we kind of launched something new from the Sucks Network. We call them Sucks Focus Events. The idea is to collect experts and people working in the fields around certain topics and really just focus and dive in on them in a sort of panel discussion. Actually, we just did the first event a few weeks back and it was a massive success. And it actually led to a very inspiring and interesting conversation. So in this episode, I, I want to share that conversation with everyone. So it might be a bit chaotic compared to what you're used to in our regular podcast episodes. It's also a lot less edited than we usually do in our episodes, but the conversation kind of just like naturally evolves into something really interesting we want you all to hear. So have fun and we'll see you on the other side. We want to come to the panel discussion today, and I'm really happy that we found a bunch of wonderful people from almost all around the world, actually, joining us uh, joining us here today. And so I welcome to the panel Helle um, from Copenhagen, Robert from the US, Laura from Portugal, and Akos from Hungary, and, well, my friend Bavo from, uh, from Belgium. Welcome to the panel, you all. Cool. Maybe to jump in, um, maybe each of you can can give a really short introduction um, of yourself. As you can see, I'm still trying to to keep my breath and to keep my air. And well, since Helle, you are the first here on my screen, maybe you can start and give a short introduction of um, uh, of yourself and what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, I am freelance UX designer. I've had my own company for 10 years and my biggest project is called UX Copenhagen and it's an annual conference here in Copenhagen. And it's a really wonderful conference. Actually where I, I met Torsten, right? Thank you. Um, so next, since Akos, you are the next one here on my screen, maybe you can, um, you can continue. Absolutely. And thank you for the invitation, Thorsten. As you can also hear, I have the same COVID as Thorsten. Uh, so this is my voice is so horrible today. Uh, so uh, I'm a strategic designer. I'm from Budapest. Uh, I'm running a small boutique agency here. We are mostly working on basically impact-driven collaborations and cooperative uh, cooperative strategies. Uh, and I'm also a university teacher at MoMA, which is the, the biggest design university in Hungary. Thank you. Thank you for, for joining here today. Laura, maybe you uh, can continue. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Thurston, for inviting me and Bob for facilitating this. And thank you, Six Network, because you always bring such important topics into the space. So thank you. So I'm Laura, uh, I'm based in Portugal, Croatian and Slovenian, and my background is in design anthropology. So it's not a normal uh, UX, sustainable UX designer, but I work with sustainability design and research for over 15 years, where I started as an anthropologist in quality research and then transition into design. So collaboration was always in my space from my first years out in the field, because as an anthropologist, there was no other way to go about it. I'm also a founder of Give a Shit. It's a regenerative innovation agency where we are focusing mainly on urban water management and sanitation. And we truly do give a shit a world uh, impact of positive impact. So I also am hosting Design by Nature monthly sessions with Iron Hack, and I mentor individuals and, and startups on transitioning models towards sustainability and regeneration and empowering uh, others with what I can. So thank you for having me. Thank you for joining joining us. And Robert, last but definitely not least, can you say a few words about yourself? Sure. Good morning. Well, it's morning here in, in San Francisco, uh, where it seems like the whole world has descended on us. Um, but um, uh, I'm uh, Robert Cosma. I, I was uh, professor at the University of Michigan, a research scientist at an R&D institute in Silicon Valley, uh, and a um, 
international consultant on technology and education policy uh, until I uh, retired a few years ago. And then I uh, decided to write this book. Um, so make the world a better place. A design with passion, purpose, and values is uh, what I've been concentrating on in the last few years. Uh, I appreciate being here and look forward to our discussion. Thank you so much that you are you are here. And well, I can highly recommend um, recommend the book. I have it here as well. Um, actually, with a lot of post-its and stuff. Hey, hey he's actually <laughs> read it. <laughs> and. Yeah, I can, I can also uh, recommend uh, the podcast episode we have with you. And, well, maybe I can, I can uh, ask the first question, question in your direction. And since the topic of, these, um, of the World Usability Day is collaboration and cooperation, I think a lot of people um, ask themselves, okay, yeah, well, collaboration, cooperation sounds similar. What's the difference maybe? So how would you define collaboration and cooperation for yourself and how would you um, do you differentiate it for yourself? Uh, well, it, as you point out, they're very similar. Uh, the differences, I think, are a matter of emphasis, which um, often doesn't really matter and they, words can be used interchangeably. But, um, you know, if we want to kind of uh, use them in a special sense, uh, I think that the differences are that at least in my mind, is that uh, cooperation is um, where two or more people um, get together to um, work towards their individual goals um, in a way that they work together advances the individual goals. Uh, and that has a kind of a free market uh, connotation to it. Um, I'm looking for things, you're selling things, um, you sell, I buy, we have cooperated. Um, on the other hand, uh, and, and that couldn't have happened without our kind of working together. Uh, on the other hand, um, uh, collaborating is when uh, two or more people uh, work together on, on shared goals. Um, so uh, you and I have the same goals, the same values. Uh, we're working together. You maybe have different skills than I have. We're bringing those together um, to do something that we aren't able to do otherwise. So there's a kind of sense of collective action that uh, I think goes beyond uh, the kind of free market notion of I'm doing my thing for my self-interest, you're doing your thing for your self-interest and we cooperate in a way that advances our individual interests. Um, on the other hand, a word that I use, a term that I use in the book is co-creation. Um, and uh, that's when two or more people are coming together and um, making things uh, that, uh, it, uh, that benefit Uh, everyone benefit uh, both parties in advanced shared goals. So it's just uh, co-create. You could also say co-design. Uh, it's a matter of emphasis, and it it makes a difference only if um, you are trying to emphasize one thing or another in a particular situation. Mm -hmm. At least that's that's my yeah, take yeah, yeah. on these. Yeah, it, it, it kind of comes back to that one plus one doesn't equal two, but three in yep. in, in uh, collaboration. Maybe, Laura, a, a follow-up question to you. Um, why do you think collaboration is so key for sustainability specifically? Yeah, thank you. And a great point, because I believe there is no sustainability or regenerative future without collaboration in the first place. So I think it's not even a question in my point of view. But I believe I, I loved your introduction, um, Thorsten, on trees and on the, the Hidden Life of Trees, the book, or the Fantastic Fungi documentary. I don't know if audience knows about it, but I highly recommend it because I believe looking into nature, and I'm a bit obsessed with the nature, so answering uh, to collaboration, I will go back to nature because I believe we really need to learn with the nature principles. 
and looking into nature model and the design by nature, I call it, which is a so perfect harmonious design, which uh, one one species waste is other species uh, resource and there is no mistake. So they always collaborate. All this, the model, the ecosystem is in constant collaboration. And in saying this, it's uh, if we are, it's not if we, but we are part of the nature, uh, even by etym etymology, human, it, it comes from the humus. So it means we are the nature. So we need to collaborate in, in accordance to survive, to, to thrive on this planet. So the factual, I would say that's very factual data, which brought us to the day today in our evolutionary process as a humanity. Looking into sustainability, uh, because we need to fix things, if you excuse my expression, that we screw them up, truly. Uh, that means we really need to step together and we need to collaborate and we need to not just give hands to each other and cooperate. And, and as uh, Robert uh, uh, well defined it, uh, like someone sells something, I buy. So it means we are already in cooperation. But on the other hand, we need to partner, we need to support each other, and we need to understand what is the role of each other on this journey, because we all have great intentions, but the things are still lagging far behind of the problems and challenges we are facing within this uh, systemic complexity we are having. So the role of collaboration, I believe it's truly to, to go beyond disciplinary collaboration, in my point of view. It really goes... Uh, uh, to multidisciplinary uh, collaboration to bring the successful long-term uh, answers and solutions forward. And I believe that, yeah, we absolutely need to collaborate to, to manifest. If we want to have a future, we need to collaborate. There is no other way than collaboration in my point of view. But I believe we are here for this, all of us. For sure. You, you brought up a very good point, I think, with the interdisciplinary collaboration, right? So we, we cannot only look on us the designers well there is a lot of things we have to fix here but we also have to see how we collaborate over the over the borders of our community and um maybe um akosh we well we, we had a lot of conversation in the in the past weeks i would say and well you are also um running running a studio working for commercial clients and so I think on our path to a more sustainable and, and even further regenerative future, we also need to convince, well, the, the business people, right? So the people we very often see maybe as the, as the main evil of these things. But, well, we somehow have to work together with them. Do you have any advice how, how we can do this? How can we get into collaboration or is it cooperation with the business world? How, how can we convince them to to go with us on this path um yeah because this is a this is a tough one because uh, a lot of people look at uh, all of these corporations as like uh something that has its own logic something that is like operating on its own and it's evil on its own but actually any kind of co uh, corporation or enterprise is in a sense, just a collection of people. Obviously, the outcome of the operation of the, of that uh, corporation has nothing to do with uh, with what these individuals are doing, what they believe in. But I think basically, when we are trying to include or involve uh, corporations into any kind of sustainability related uh, topic, I think there's two things we need to do. One is to operate on the individual level because most of the individuals working at these uh, corporations or enterprises are definitely not evil and, uh, and are definitely sharing the same values as we are uh, when we are thinking about uh, sustainability. And really for the enterprise as a whole, uh, I think there are two potential narratives. Uh, one is that uh, basically if we don't do something for sustainability, for saving the environment or just sustaining the way humans and nature are operating right now, then they will have no business in a couple of years. Because if humans go extinct, then there is nobody to sell those sodas to. So that's obviously uh one of the narratives that uh, that can be used 
and uh, the other one is that uh, that regulation is anyway going to force them to be more sustainable and if they are just waiting for the regulation and how they can respond to the regulations uh, then sustainability is always going to be them hemorrhaging money uh, but if they are going uh, a little bit ahead of the curve and start thinking about sustainability and actual proper interesting good stuff uh, that they can do in sustainability then they can actually turn that into proper business at some point so uh, if we invest in time and if we invest early enough then we still have time to figure out how to package stuff in something else than plastic uh, if we are waiting for the regulation we will not have enough time to to figure out something that actually makes sense in the long run yeah that that, makes, that, that makes perfect sense indeed i'm oh, sorry Dawson. um that was a very yeah, I, I thought, perspective I from the business side of things like maybe um we can split this into like maybe two topics one is more business oriented but the other one and this is where i want to bring hella in as well uh, as someone who organizes uh community meetups but also an actual conference uh collaboration between designers how do we best facilitate that do we do we are we doing well enough can we improve can we do better oh absolutely i mean everybody should just come to the conference right <laughs> yes <laughs> no um, but it's it's interesting because what Akash was saying, what Akash was saying is exactly the theme for my for next year's conference, and I'm calling it degrowth and and um, consumerism, because my closing keynote for this year said if we continue farming the way, if we continue farming the way that we're far, you know traditional farming, we have 60 years left, and then we've used all of the Earth's resources. And I think that's really scary. I mean, that's not my lifetime, but it's my kid's lifetime for sure. Um, and that just made me think, you know, we have to talk about this. We have to we have to stop. You know, we have to change our ways of doing things. We can no longer just continue consuming and disposing, throwing things away, you know, single-use products. We just can't continue doing this. Um, but so the big main issue is how do we convince management that you know we have to stop overproducing but you can still make money you know you just have to target the products correctly and you you know if you get your right target group and if you get you produce just enough then there's no waste and that's a, a big huge saving as well so you know it's going to be a pretty big topic i think robert wants to yeah. quickly yeah yes i i think um we we have to take a step back in this regard and and kind of think of the broader context within which um, all of this is taking place, which is a kind of larger economic uh, reality that all of this is taking place in. Um, and the reality here in the US is probably a bit more extreme than it is in Europe, although we're uh, all on the same playing field. Um, here in the US, it still goes back to uh, uh, what uh, Milton Friedman, a, a Nobel laureate economist, uh, referred to as the Friedman Doctrine, which is that uh, the only uh, responsibility the corporations have is to maximize profit uh, for the uh, shareholders. Um, and as long as the economy is based on that principle, we are going to be working at the margins. Um, and we really need to we, there's only so, if, if that's the case, there's only so much accommodation that we can do as designers and have an impact. Um, the, we, I think, need to think much more strategically about changing hearts and minds, if you will, um, and, uh, and doing that in a local way of, uh, with the companies and clients that we work uh, with, companies we work for, the clients we work with. Um, the communities we work in um, and uh, and focus on human needs and on values like sustainability uh, where um, where we're kind of getting beyond um, rather than playing in uh, the the economic 
kind of realities that we're we're stuck in for the time being. Akos, you want to continue? Yeah, because uh, I, although I totally agree with you, Robert, uh, actually, I think that uh, that a shift in business towards sustainability is more aligned with Friedman doctrine than it than it looks. Uh, at first sight, because I truly actually believe from the trends that are going on in the world and the business trends that are going on in the world, it's not just that if companies keep operating the way they are operating right now, uh, it's not just uh, an issue that we are going to be consuming all of the, the earth resources in 50, 60 years or something like that. But it also means uh, that uh, it will cause scarcity of uh, all kinds of uh, natural resources for the companies, which means that at some point it's not going to be profitable to operate in the, in the current traditional way. It is only going to be uh, sustainable from a business perspective uh, to operate in a, in a more efficient, more resource efficient and in any way sustainable way because I don't think that we can be as optimistic as as there is going to be uh, a point in in history when when we can convince the world to to shift to a more regenerative and less capitalist type of economy but uh, but I do believe that if that doesn't change and I I feel that companies start to understand it then capitalism is going to just collapse in itself very good yeah. points and i was going uh going over to you laura actually and and so we we were discussing on a very um global level now macro right? level and, yeah that's that's the yeah. word i was i was looking for and and how can we well the question i always or very often get is what can i do as a single designer right so how can how can i change things and i think one interesting word i think akos you said it before is um, how can we change narratives? So, for example, in in terms of and you said this in terms of corporates, well, they, they we know what the right thing even for them is, but too much of them still have not did not get it right. They they still only operate in their very short term cycles, right, right? right? And do not see the do not see the big picture. So, so how can we maybe design new narratives and convince more people and and what can we do as the single designers, as, as the small designers on, on that? Ad? How, how do we have to collaborate? Laura, do you have um, uh, an idea? And I'm, I'm asking you because you had this wonderful project where, well, I had the honor to be part of. You created this nice book <coughs> as a collaboration of different designers from all over Europe, right? Who um, worked on this topic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we recently published Sustainable UX uh, ebook. It's open source, so you can download it. I can put it also in here. Uh, it was done in collaboration. Uh, but that's, uh, I would say, that's just a small step, but something that it's absolutely a proof how we can contribute and showcase uh, frameworks, tools that can be useful also within different kind of business models and bring a new value system within the within the business and further socially and environmentally impactful um, uh, solutions and outreach. But where I want to really tackle on, on individual designer and Thorsten, this is a great point because normally like uh, all this situation we are living in this complex society, it's, uh, it's truly overwhelming for most of us. And not just on, uh, as uh, designers, but as humanity and, uh, and, and what's happening, I, I will start with give a shit. Uh, when I was starting with Give a Shit in 2009, I was uh, maybe perceived too many times like, uh, oh, this is brilliant, but you're a bit uh, crazy trying to solve the world. And actually, it felt like that to do the work alone. Uh, so the first thing is like uh, what I learned through the through the long years, It's uh, and you pointed out, it's changing the narrative. How do we speak uh, to each other? How do we introduce sustainability as a topic? Do we always bring it as a shocking uh, dilemma situation where we need to spend more, uh, where we need to make larger financial investments within business, uh, where clients need to compromise more, or we just bring the narrative and the storytelling 
and a non-human persona, nature persona uh, on, on the boards, meetings and so on as something uh, natural and as a must. It's the way I work with my clients. It's the way I show up in my mentorship uh, things. It's the way uh, I believe it's the only way further. So I believe before we lose this dilemma uh, on is this the approach or what is the approach, it's truly bringing this forward in the narrative as something obvious because as Akos, you point out very well, uh, taxonomy, especially in Europe, it's uh, it's here. Regulations are here. Reporting system, especially for larger um, corpor um, corporates, are uh, obligatory. So this is not anymore a question. And if I start with UX, 10 years ago, UX was still a fancy word. Today, it's a must. Almost every company has it. Uh, I, I hope so it will have it. But uh, I mean, like, it's something that it's really user experience is something that we all understand. It's needed. It's it's a must. But uh, life centricity and uh, and and bringing sustainability within within the business model, yes, it's changing the narrative. On the other side, it's educating our clients what is the value of their projects uh, on a long run. Because my questions from clients was always, uh, yeah, but it's a larger investment and it's uh, more, uh, yeah, it's a lot of risk uh, within this kind of space. But the, the truth is that once we change the narrative and once we showcase the value system that this is bringing overall uh, to overall modeling what we are creating, everyone, like like you mentioned, Akos, business is already being aware. I, I, I don't believe it's something lagging so much. I think we also as designers, as, as professionals, need to educate ourselves to be able to advise in the right way and to lead in the right way as a change-making community. Because I believe the future of designer, it's not just operational role and executing project. It's truly bringing the empowering leadership within the companies, <coughs> stakeholders, and bringing further the change-making paradigm, which goes beyond the design thinking, which really looks into systemic thinking. And I like to call them acupuncture, the situations, where can I activate uh, the pro the the pro uh, challenge correctly that I can find the the holistic solution for it. So I again spoke a bit macro micro mixed because they are always mixed. But to say uh, creating the right storytelling and narrative, bringing non human persona into conversation as a must, not as something optional in any board meeting or design thinking systems thinking session. And then stepping out as change-making community with all the references behind that we are already doing and other projects and companies out there they are doing. So I also like to always refer to, to examples that I know they exist and I say, look, it's happening. It's your competitor. They are doing it. So why are you not smarter? You know that that's the game it, it's going to be. But I could continue a lot because, uh, yeah, we are, there is a lot to speak about it. But just to say, I believe, uh, I'm very positive about the future, and I do believe, uh, agree on regulation side with ACOS. We should not wait uh, for regulation for things to change. We need to do it as a community and as a society to step up on what we believe on. Mm -hmm. And that's. I that's I agree, and ACOS. I'm 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 going to let you talk in a second, but I do quickly want to add from okay. from my side is that. Um, I, I sometimes have to remind myself that every macro trend starts from micro interactions. There is no such thing as a starting point for a macro trend. It starts with just small incremental, a meeting here, uh, a message there. And that's the power that we do still have, not just as designers, but as human beings is if you can't change a company, that's okay. But at least you can voice your opinion and plant a seed. And that seed might take 10, 15 designers cycling through before it blossoms into something. But as long as you contribute to that seed, you will be doing the most important work in this space altogether. Because sitting in silence in a meeting room and not being the one to say like, huh, that sounds weird from a sustainability perspective, that's all it takes. Just the raise of a hand isn't like, that sounds a bit weird from a sustainability perspective. And if enough people do that, we can adapt change. That's the power we have as a as a species. And with that, Akosh, sorry, all yours. Yeah, because uh, for me, it's a really interesting topic that uh, that uh, Thorsten you brought up. Uh, that what can I do as just one designer? 
and uh, and honestly, it's uh, it's always a little bit weird for me that there are, I don't know how many millions of designers in the world. Uh, so it's never actually just one designer that is shaping the world. Maybe you as one specific designer don't uh, have the power to make absolutely huge fundamental changes in the world. But that's not even the point. The point is that all of those millions of designers together can make a difference. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, when when I'm trying to to teach designers anything about responsibility or sustainability or anything like that, uh, there is usually two things that I'm trying to make designers understand. One is that uh, responsibility as a designer is not a choice. Uh, you have a responsibility all over what you are doing, whether you are okay to take that responsibility or not uh, you are responsible for all of the resources that you have used it can be the time of people that are using your apps it can be the electricity that you used it can be the plastic that was used for creating your whatever type of type of product uh, and actually you are making ethical decisions all the time and moral decisions and responsibility decisions. You maybe don't realize them and you are maybe making them implicitly, but you are making those decisions. So it's just a matter of getting, you know, getting to know yourself enough uh, to understand your own decisions and, uh, and control them more. And the other thing is that there is, no, there is no such thing as just a designer. There is a designer. And designers are the architects of the world. And uh, and basically, whatever we create, it's not just another mobile application. It has its own, uh, it's basically uh, a stone that we drop in the water. Uh, it ripples on, it changes the culture that it fits into. Uh, it will change the way people perceive the world. It's uh, like, uh, I, I quote this from Richard Buchanan a lot, that uh, products are vivid arguments on how we should lead our lives. So basically, whatever you create, that's how people will understand the world. Whatever you create, people will believe that that should exist. So it's like much more fundamental how designers are actually influencing the world it's not just a product it's everything that comes from a product i and i i totally agree with you 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 know that right and we we agree on so many of these things and i also believe so much that well every one of us can be of a change right everything we do is better than than nothing maybe sometimes rather the question is not do i have impact but how can how can we speed up things so speaking, Helle, speaking of conferences, and you, you chose this very specific topic for your conference next year, which is wonderful. And the question could be, shouldn't why, why don't have all UX and design conferences similar topics last year, uh, next year, because we are in such urgency, right? So is, is one conference enough? Don't we need more of them? How can we get there? Well, it's really funny because I got some criticism last year from somebody who um, disliked the conference. And, and you know, of course, there are going to be people who disagree, which I think is wonderful. Um, something somebody else told me was that, you know, oh, all designers are all, you know, green. They're all sustainable. They're all liberal. They all think the same. And that that really provoked me because I don't want it to be that way. I want us to disagree so that we can make change. Um, but anyway, this person said, who who talks about um, climate change at a UX conference? And I was like, there's the theme for next year. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's super important. And especially with that closing keynote who said, you know, time is running out. We have to make change now. Then I just think, and that's the whole reason I started the conference was because I've been working in UX for 25 years. I think I spent at least 10 years, you know, trying to fight for the right, you know, to show people that UX had value. And when I found out that wasn't working, I turned things around and I created a stage where I could shove other people up on stage to amplify my own voice. So, you know, like you're saying, collaboration, I mean, my conference is nothing without my, my team of speakers and the people talking about the changes we need to make. 
So I don't know. I think um, my topics are usually pretty weird. <laughs> I had commenting two years ago and people are like, what does that even mean? But that's again, you know, speaking of collaboration and, and so on. Um, so I think it's a kind of, it's just, it's kind of provocative, I think. And I just, I think it's really important for us to be talking about sustainability, climate change, and all these things together. Does that answer your question? Yeah, for sure. And well, Robert, you, you wanted yep. to, to jump in here. So. Yeah, I, I think it, it's very overwhelming when we think of ourselves as uh, individual designers trying to change the world or the global economy or the climate or, um, and, and I think the way we need to change the narrative is to consider design as a local activity. If, if you're kind of buying into the, the uh, industrial revolution model that of mass production and mass marketing, um, then uh, yeah, uh, we as individual designers, the impact that we have more often than not is really marginal. But if we think of design as a local activity where even something global like climate change gets played out differently in different communities. In one community, it's a risk of wildfires. In another community, it's a, a risk of floods um, or hurricanes. Um, and how is it that designers respond to those local situations that benefit people in a way that is most relevant to them? Um, then, as designers, we can see that we have a huge impact uh, on this community. And it's, it's kind of as, as others of you have alluded to, it's when you start multiplying that local activity by hundreds and thousands of times that you change the world. And, and, and I want to add maybe um, to what you all said. What I often see is, I think people like us, we are still in a bubble, right? There are still many more designers out there who have not thought about these things so much. They, they want to do good for the, for the world. But that's at least something I experience very often. And we, I think we should not forget about this as well. And again, this is also a huge uh, opportunity for impact for us, right? Because if I spread the word and talk to other people, designers, maybe not even designers, all kinds of people about this, there is still a huge opportunity of impact from at least from what I experienced. So it's still, we are still the minority of, well, and let's stick with designers of designers who actively work on these things. There is still a majority who does not, not because they do not want to, but because many of them have not thought about it. Many of them say, well, I can not do anything or, or how, what do you think? Open question to the, to the panel and um, what do you think about that akash but hella you had something to say i think so i didn't want to cut in in front of you oh thank you no i was just gonna say that it's like tostin said i was gonna say we all live in bubbles so it's even more important that we we bring other voices and other perspectives to the stage or to you know to the communities so that we break out of our bubbles and don't get stuck in there thank you so much Akos. uh because Thank you. So uh, for me, uh, sustainability, especially in UX, is a little bit similar to to what was happening about accessibility in UX in the in the past couple of years. Like I don't know, ten years ago, most designers, more UXers, didn't really even want to touch uh, accessibility with a ten foot pole. Uh, because everyone felt that it's like extremely expensive. It takes a lot of time. Uh, anyway, nobody's gonna need it, uh, and so on, and so on, and so on. And uh, obviously, a lot of people started evangelizing uh, accessibility, and that evangelization was not really about, yeah, it's more important than you think, obviously, that too, but also to make people understand that it's not as hard as it looks. Basically, you just actually have to make your design proper, and then it's going to be accessible. Uh, and it's actually, it's not going to look bad. It's not going to take a lot of your time. 
uh, you just have to do your job properly. And I think it's the same with sustainable UX that uh, that people still believe that if they are trying to design mobile applications, websites, whatever, in a sustainable way, then it will look really bad. Uh, it will take a lot of time for them to actually figure out how to how to design uh, specific animations, specific uh, layouts, uh, anything like that, that actually have a major effect on the on the carbon footprint of, for example, front end of any kind of application. And uh, and I really think it's about just a perceived threshold. Uh, designers just believe that the threshold for for making sustainable designs is much higher than they expect. Isn't this also? And you said it in in your words yeah. already. I think it's it's about creating new defaults, right? Maybe and and so how how can we, as you said, for accessibility, it it became more and more the default to make it accessible from the very beginning. And I think we we are still. We still need to make the same happen for sustainability, and this is something well we we have to make happen for us and for our colleagues and companions, but also for the younger generation we are teaching right now at universities or 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 somewhere else. Um, how, how can we teach them better to make this default in their design processes? Laura, maybe I, I know Iron Hack is is a huge educational yeah. um, organization. What do you have a Opinion. Yeah, thank you. And I'm also a university professor. So what I will say, from my experience, the first word that it came to me I'm listening all of us, it's uh, from younger generation, I feel there is a... Uh, so a lot of young designers, from my experience, also in my sessions, I feel that uh, young designers feel paralyzed uh, and overwhelmed because they feel they don't know enough of sustainability and i think uh, Thorsten, you made a good point like making sustainable design like a, a default a practice but how to do it it's the question the first uh, i would say thing is to demystify that sustainability is only about environment it's truly about creating coherence and and bringing together um social environmental and economic uh, sustainability for overall practice that we are creating And then the second thing is like, even if I, I see uh, in young people, even if they are, you are not enough knowledgeable in sustainability and not just young people, even me, I feel like I'm in sustainability or everything I do, it's with this uh, intention for the last 15 years, I always am learning something. So you never, you always feel, I don't know enough. The fact is go with what you have because the main thing what differs us from unsustainable practice and sustainability is we lost ethics and values upon which upon uh, what we need to act and i think if you have ethics and if you understand that the value system is violated amongst the amongst the existing business model amongst the projects they are being developed there is a lot to be done already from your uh, standpoint of view so be courageous to speak about it and bring that forward to discussion The second thing is within the educational models, adopting the systems thinking beyond design thinking, I would say it's a game-changing tool for life centricity because you start to right away understand the interconnectivity of the whole ecosystem. So you cannot not be taking care of the environment because you understand. And Akus, I, I love that you said something around like, we're the architects of the future. And I can say we are the architects of behaviors and of the impact that people will have outside there. Because whatever I'm creating, it will impact how people will use the product, uh, offer, service, system, whatever, but how they will also be thinking further and how they, that will be impacting their emotional state, their well-being and their inter further interaction with the, with the people, but also the environment. So really taking in, in the educational models, this systemic point of view on, on uh, that we are collaborating with the whole ecosystem of actors, uh, like this actor network uh, situation that Bruno Latour uh, works a lot about it uh, and writes beautifully on it. And, and uh, so there is so much to do. Yes? Oh, yeah, I, I was just... Uh, uh, I, I was... I was just trying to make a bet that I will be the first one to bring up the tour and uh, <laughs> you were faster than me. I couldn't agree more with everything that you said. 
And I think this is one of the key, key problems that we have with UX, right? User experience. We are building stuff for the users and all of our tools and methods are focusing on the users, right? And only on the users. And they do not take even into account what's happening around the experience of the user. And so that's what I see as a, as a key. Well, and that's also, I think for us at the Sucks Network, a key thing to, 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 to broaden this view, right? What, what you also said with the systemic view, we need to bring in this, this systemic view. We need to create visibility for all the other actors that are part of these systems. And everything we build is always part of a bigger, bigger system. And all the, the methodologies we use so far um, do not take this into account, right? There is the user journey of the user. Maybe have, we have the service blueprint where we can see at least the touch points, but well, there it ends, right? So um, what would you say, uh, how can we how can we change this? Where, where should we start on a, on a, let's say, on a very tool methodology level? And I'm, I'm looking to the panel and, well, okay, Akash, I see you <laughs> raising your hand. Uh, as, as you have probably heard a couple of talks that I have given, uh, basically the first thing that I'm, that I'm trying to do is just uh, break down this uh, late stage uh, understanding of design thinking, because I think this is what is killing design right now and eating up the creativity right now, that we have reduced uh, design into all of those six, five, eight, whatever steps uh, that are anyway in any single uh, case are going to bring us to success, bring us to creativity. Uh, and and basically what we need to do is, is like, instead of being design thinkers, actually go back to being designers and figuring out what we are actually doing, building proper concepts, using proper creativity. And, uh, and honestly, for me, I even hate the word user experience because, uh, you know, user experience is not even human centric. So obviously it cannot really be more than human centric because like by considering people users, what we are doing is that we are actively saying that we are only understanding these people in the context of, uh, of how they are using our product, but we are not even caring about uh, the rest of their lives, their own personal human context and the, even just the other products that they are using or the time when they are not using any product at all. And basically, first, we have to get to that level of actually understanding what we mean by human human centricity. And after that, we can uh, go a step further and actually understand how that human is fitting into uh, any kind of ecosystem. And then we have to take another step further and understand all of the sense making capabilities of all of the non human uh, actors in that uh, in that ecosystem. And I don't want to go into my usual ramble about object oriented ontology and all these kind of things, because I can talk about that for two hours. Uh, but basically, there is a ladder that people have to go through, I think. Do, do we do we maybe also need to change terms? Robert, what would you say? I mean, we, we speak about human-centered design. There are people like, well, Don Norman and others have done this before using the term humanity-centered design. We do that as well in our, our talks, right? And say humanity and environmental-centered design approach. I mean, technically, it's in the definition of human-centered design. It's already in there. But do we need to maybe use new terms to, to make it more obvious to the people? What would you say, Robert? Uh, well, in, in my book, I use uh, I describe design as uh, a, a moral dialogue among co-creators. Um, so that certainly fits into uh, the theme for our panel discussion here, at least around co-creation and and uh, collaboration. Um, the term that uh, that I inject in that, which makes a lot of people nervous, uh, particularly designers, I think, uh, is um, is the moral dialogue part of it. Uh, it's it's much easier for us to kind of tiptoe around uh, ethical questions, much like Akash uh, uh, mentioned earlier. 
to, to just pull that out of the discussion and, as if uh, it's not part of what it is that we're doing, even if we're not talking about it. Um, so I, I think, you know, whether you call it human-centered or humanity-centered uh, or design thinking, if there isn't a values uh, component to that, uh, then uh, invariably uh, it's not sustainable because sustainability is a fundamental uh, value that, that we're introducing into the conversation. Um, so I, I, I think we need to, to be clear in our own thinking and in the process that we engage in and, and introduce values. And it makes it very much more complex and very tricky, um, obviously, because different people have different values. Um, uh, but again, if we don't anchor our designs in some sense of shared value that we play a large role in creating of you know, kind of getting to the fundamental values that are important to all of us um, uh, the, and that we base our designs on, on these shared values that we drill down into, um, then, uh, you know, then our, our designs are really working at the margins. Thank you. And, and Laura, Laura, I, I, Laura, I saw you that you want to, yeah. Yeah, just want to add the word on this that I feel that uh, demystifying like concepts and and the naming because yeah name uh, wording is important of course user for, user experience is still very absolutely market driven uh, like by definition uh, the truth is we are here to talk different things and the truth is that Soup's network is doing brilliant work to to I would say abolish this kind of perception on, on uh, UX as a capitalistic uh, model in society. But sustainable future, in my point of view, only exists, sustainable design only exists with the life-centric approach. Human-centered design, we, we came from object-centered design and, and Bauhaus, we transitioned into human-centricity, we're speaking of human-centricity, uh, user, whatever you choose it, you name it, but the thing is, there is no future without taking in account the whole life. So truly, we need to to go beyond the, the linear way of thinking between problem and solution, but really map out who are the real stakeholders. And nature is not just one of the stakeholders. It's the main stakeholder that we are at service to because we are the nature. So life centricity and sustainable design, I guess it's uh, like kind of the, the linear, if we need to reframe something in phrasing that should come along together in collaborative practice and beyond. I couldn't agree more. Um, maybe because we are reaching, we're moving towards the end of our panel discussion. So I do want to throw a, a, a last one out there because I feel like this is a sensitive subject for many, not for me, but for many. Um, when it comes to collaborating, whether that is with other designers, whether that is with companies, whether that is with anyone, uh, should there be no-goes? I think I personally have a very long, I will not work for, with, or in any way, shape related to your company. I have that list and I am very vigilant of it. Um, but maybe someone else has a different opinion. Anyone who wants to share on this? Uh, well, I, uh, the, the go, no-go, um, lines that, that I think of are values-based rather than organization or person-based. Um, so one of the seven principles for design that I, I um, mention in the book is first, do no harm. Um, so if a, design, uh, uh, if a design results, if the impact of the design is harmful in some way, that is something that I'm very concerned about, for example, in the application of artificial intelligence. I, I'm really quite passionate about, uh, wait a minute, we need to really pull back and think deeply about what the, the possible harm is uh, that, we, that, uh, that can happen when we uh, use this technology. Um, but in terms of the players, whether it's a corporation or an individual, if they share that value, even though we may uh, have differences in other ways, 
uh, I think it's important to, to try and um, create designs that address that shared value, that it comes from people who have different perspectives. And Hella uh, referred to this earlier. Uh, I think it makes the design more robust, um, that it, uh, it, it addresses a range of needs and a range of, of perspectives and it can make it much more, the design much more powerful, particularly if it's based on the shared value of do no harm or advance knowledge or, uh, or promote equality, uh, the, uh, create uh, communities. Um, th those in my book are, are important values that I focus on. Akash or Laura, do you want to add something? Uh, I would. Uh, because I, I do have no goals. Like, uh, I, I don't believe in things like effective altruism and this kind of thing. So, so I'm not the kind of person who believes that, uh, I don't know if we make money with something that is, that has something to do with an unsustainable business model and we spend it on something in so, uh, social enterprises that is actually effective. I don't believe that. Uh, I'm usually trying to, to separate all of the companies that I, I can potentially work with, uh, into three categories, positive actors transitioning actors and beyond saving. Uh, and I would never work with, uh, with the ones that, that can be considered beyond, uh, beyond saving. And for me, for example, a transitioning company can totally be an oil company, for example. So I would, I would not say that I would never work with an oil company because based on the business model that they are running, based on the infrastructure that they are running on, an oil company can be transformed into a lot of different kind of things with the same infrastructure. They can become a mobility provider. They can become, I don't know, a lot of different things without ever touching oil in their lives. Uh, but uh, for example, I'm not going to say the name of that soda company is beyond saving uh, because their entire basic fundamental business model is built on something that has no place in society, has no place in the life of humans and has no place in, in the environment. So their only sustainable step would be to close all their factories. I agree. I too, I too look at it. I'm, I'm in the exact same boat as you. Like if BP calls me tomorrow and say, we want to eliminate all oil from our processes, can you help us transform? Hey, I will do that project gladly. And I will work on that <laughs> so incredibly hard. But there are companies out there that for me have just crossed ethical lines that I cannot, uh, I'm debating on whether we should or shouldn't name probably it's best not to name these companies, but I think we all know who we're talking about poisoning wells and stuff, uh, groundwater supplies. And I mean, those companies I will just not work for. Um, okay. Maybe one final, um, cause it's someone mentioned something in the chat. I think, I think Laura wanted to add, oh, sorry. To add something. And I see and Hella maybe is Hella, I don't know yeah. if her microphone is working. Maybe Hella wants to jump in. Yes. It's just so difficult because, you know, is it seven, seven global companies that pretty much own everything? So how do we avoid working for these companies? Very good point and very good question. And yeah, maybe, maybe I, I, uh, yeah, go, go. yeah no, no, jump in and then I add afterwards. Yeah. Just uh, also to give um, clues on my, uh, my side, I had, I was very radical. It's why I found it give a shit for many years. And I was like, I give a shit and I don't do this and this and this. Uh, the thing is, through my uh, career and through my work, what I learned, there are total no-goes. And that's, I think it was mentioned here. And I, I won't name companies, but yeah, there are ethical uh, level of, uh, of my story that I simply cannot do certain things uh, from personal reasons. And then there are also professional reasons. But uh, beyond that, I would say that I did mentor and learn with young people and also people who were transitioning from career who were senior designers and they wanted career in sustainability. And they did choose maybe, from my point of view, not something that I would expect as a sustainable UX designer would do. Uh, I, I don't mean a profile of person, I mean within the work uh, scope. 
But what I want to say that if that company, as you said, um, if that uh, company is transitioning to something that it's contributing to a better future out there, someone needs to help them, be it designer or be it someone else. So I hope the person who is helping them really has a clue what is the best future for that kind of companies. Or like, or as we said, one thing is shutting them down. The other thing is maybe they can really transition and do something better for the world with our help. It's not me who is going to help them, but to say that I don't blame anyone who is choosing that career path. And probably there is a there is a way also to go in that space. And I think that's a very important point you made there in the end, right? So every one of us, everyone out there has his or her own boundaries right and we all need to define these on our own how far because as you all said it's we need to go into this hard situations into this where where we can really change things right so there are many companies that are transitioning you said that akosh and someone needs to go there and change them and maybe i i feel okay with going there and you won't feel okay with with going there And this is this is sometimes a hard decision, but it's also it's okay, right? It's not about blaming anybody, going somewhere and doing his or own her um, own best. And since we were talking about these huge corporates, I think the second thing is so where where can we go and change maybe things from the inside, but also where do we have to identify narratives that we need to change from the from the outside, especially when we are talking about oil companies, because I read this example just some days ago, I think it's from Shell, who in, who invested a lot of money, sorry, no, I named them, um, who invested a lot of money in influencers, so to, to promote their, yeah, we are doing all the good stuff thing, which more feels like they're investing more money into this marketing stuff than into the real transition, right? And so it's, this is always also something where we can still work on changing or trying to force change when we identify these narratives and, and work on these. So I just wanted to um, wanted to add that um, to the end. And maybe, well, we are at the end um, already, but maybe one just one sentence for each of you for the for the very last short question uh, directly related to the topic collaboration and cooperation. What would you say to a designer out there asking you How can I start collaborating tomorrow? I'll go first by repeating myself in what I said earlier, uh, which is uh, macro trends start from micro interactions. Realize the impact you can have by just raising your hand at the right time and saying, that feels weird. I'll, I'll uh, double that one uh, uh, and repeat that um, all design is local. And if you focus on the problems in a particular community with a particular group, then uh, collaboration will roll out naturally because you're connecting with real needs and real people. Who want to go next? I can go. So if there would be just one sentence that I would need to say to designers about this is just raise your freaking phone because <clears throat> I believe a lot of designers uh, really just believe that it's hard to collaborate with others. Oh, they would not want to be a part of it. How are we going to figure out who's the owner of the idea? Whatever. People just want to collaborate by default. Whoever you call, the most probable answer is, sure, whatever. Why not? I have a couple of hours for that. You will figure it out later. Just do it. I, I can jump here uh, and uh, just do it. It's it's the great call for action, absolute yes. Uh, I can just say as a final words, uh, do what really drives you and motivates you. It's and, and clients will be there for you and you will be paid for what you love to do. Because when I started to work on toilets, people thought uh, I'm just a young, crazy girl. Today, it's something that Even if I'm always learning, it's something I know everyone needs and wants to change eventually and water topic too. And I never knew that that will take me to here. So just go with your niche, with your gut feeling and just do the work and just do it. Helle, do you want to add something? Yeah, just a few last words is that, you know, as as sole, what do we call them? Satellite UXers, the ones that are kind of alone in the world working for ourselves. It feels overwhelming and we can't all be... Greta Thunberg, but she was a 16-year-old kid 
who has, you know, gained so much momentum from, you know, speaking out and asking for help. And so we might not all be able to create conferences or huge foundations like SUX or SUX, but, you know, we can all join a local meetup and we can all invite speakers from around the world to join that meetup just like this. So, you know, just keep doing this and everybody can join, everybody can create. So well said and, and perfect words. And that's, I agree so much on what you all said, right? And it, I, I think this is really important. And if we look at the, at the SUX network, for example, it also started as a very small thing with just a few people meeting, realizing, oh yeah, we are thinking about similar things and we should do something there. And what could we do? And the idea changed again and again, and we just went with the flow and see where we are now. So, um, yes, it's, it's everything that we do can be the small first stone that we drop and then makes the whole mountain going down. Right. So yes, we can, everyone can be a change and collaboration starts with just talking to the designer you meet at, at work or at the next meetup or wherever. Right. And this is the, the thing we all can start doing tomorrow. I so much highly agree uh, on that. Thank you so much for joining here today. We are almost, um, almost on time. Well, well, but we made it on time. That's, that's great. Thank you all so much for being here. Helle, Akos, uh, Robert and, and Laura was so really inspiring. Also for me, I can, I can tell, um, to have this, this, um, conversation together with you. Bravo. Thank you so much for, for being here, um, together with me. No, always, um, always a pleasure. It was, uh, yeah, truly inspiring, great voices, great people. Uh, and to further Akash's point, uh, the only reason this event happened is because we called and asked, do you have an hour of your time willing to give to us? And here we are collaborating. So with that, I want to thank our panel. Uh, I want to thank everyone for watching and uh, we'll see you all at the next Sucks event. Bye bye, everyone. Bye, bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. bye. Thanks for having me. The Sucks podcast is brought to you by the Sucks Network a non-profit initiative and network that drives sustainable and responsible UX based on the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Hosted by Torsten Jonas and me, Bavo Lodwex. Edited by me, Bavo. Support by Isabel Pettinato. We'll see you next time.